In, as, as Pastor Scarlett called and asked us if we could uh, take this, this uh, Sunday evening service, I thought this will be easy because I just was teaching on uh, the importance of how we see things. We call it, oh, say, can you see? And there was a lot that I could not cover during that time. So as I started to prepare that, the Lord just wasn't giving me peace about doing that. And, and you know, thinking about what's going on in the world today and, and uh, the, the different uh, distractions and the, the chaos that, that we see in the streets of a lot of the big cities, uh, the Lord led me to prepare a message on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. Because whether you know it or not, we're in a war. And and it's interesting that I, I just finally made that transition last night, was working on the message. This morning, uh, my wife Marta showed me today's uh, Faith to Faith by Brother Kenneth and Sister Gloria Copeland. And today's message is spiritual armor for spiritual war. How about that? What a coincidence. Yeah? And this was written, I look at this, this was published, I think in like 1992 is the edition we have. It's a great, it's a great tool, a great devotional tool. If you don't have it, I would highly recommend to get it. But I want to read this to you because it's so appropriate for the message that we're, we're going to be having tonight. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Unfortunately, most of us don't know the first thing about fighting the kind of war this scripture refers to. For as Ephesians 6:10-12 says, it's not a battle of flesh and blood, but of the spirit. And if you look at the news, if you you know some I can't look at it very long because it's it's uh, just makes me angry, but you see that uh, the, the enemy wants you to fight against flesh and blood, but it's not a flesh and blood battle. I'll get back to the, to the uh, article here. Most believers are so earthly minded or carnally minded that they never even realize where the enemy's attacks are actually coming from. They blame circumstances and people and they waste their energy fighting natural conditions instead of supernatural causes. We need to wake up to the warfare that's going on in the heavenly realm. We can get a glimpse of it in Daniel 10, verses 12 to 20. There we find that Daniel had been fasting and praying for 21 days, awaiting a word from the Lord. Then an angel appeared to him with the answer. What took him so long? He was fighting the enemy in the heavens. Now, that confuses some people. And they say, devils fighting in heaven? I thought God reigned in heaven. What they don't understand is that the Bible teaches there are three different areas called heaven. Number one, the heaven where God resides. Number two, the stellar heavens, what we call outer space. And three, the heavens around the earth, the atmosphere surrounding this planet. This last heaven is where spiritual war takes place. That's why Ephesians 2.2 calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. The air is where wicked spirits operate. From there they attempt to rule the nations to which they've been assigned. 
and rule them they will unless the prayers of God's people keep them from it. God has an army marching in this land. If we band together, we can prevent the wickedness in high places from ruling our nation. The time has come for us as believers to pray as believers. So put on your full armor and take your place in the ranks of the faithful in intercession for our country and the nations of the world. And I just want to add that it is not just our country. Of course, we're concerned because this is where we live. But this is a worldwide thing that we're witnessing right now. So we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God. And uh, I I just want to pray over this message and, and then we'll get right into it. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. Your word is true and it's tested. Lord, we thank you that no weapon formed against us can prosper and that your word will go forth un unhindered, untouched by any outside force, that I'll be able to deliver this message with excellence and accuracy. Father, that every ear is anointed to hear, every heart anointed to receive the precious seed of the Word of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I I was first exposed to spiritual warfare probably at least 35 years ago. Uh, in a church we were attending in Portland, Oregon. Uh, the first person I remember teaching it was Terry Law. And uh, it just opened my eyes to a whole new understanding of, of what we face as Christians. And of course, at, at that time, and up until maybe a year ago, I, I was thinking, yeah, this is all in the Bible, but I'll be gone before this ever comes to pass. But we're living in it now. We're seeing the, the chaos and the, the confusion that's going on in the world right now. Then we heard Rick Renner teach this. In fact, Rick Renner has a, an excellent book. I highly recommend it. It's called Dress to Kill. And it talks specifically about the, uh, the spiritual armor that God has put at our disposal. So one of the things that I learned is when the words war and warfare are used in the New Testament, they're always in connection with, with the mind or the soul. And you know that we are a three-part being where we are, first of all, we are a spirit being. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And we live in this earthly body. We call it an earth suit sometimes. And it's, it's what just enables us to survive and, and move around on this planet. But the primary attack of the enemy comes to the mind, the soul. And that's that's he really is, is a master at, at attacking that. So we're going to look at the weapons God has given us to walk in victory for this war that we're in. And unfortunately, I won't have time to go in, into great depth uh, because we're going to talk about seven different pieces of armor that God has given us. Now, I know that, that most people, when they teach this, they teach six pieces. And a lot of different, you know, you can hear a lot of different teachings on it. Everyone I've ever heard is good. But some, the, the, I'm going to emphasize some things that might be a little bit different tonight. So I want you to really be listening with your heart. And don't throw anything out, because I'm going to try and cover it as, as we go. But uh, if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10... We see in, uh, starting in verse 3, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And that's the mistake a lot of people make. They jump right into the flesh when they, they get into any kind of attack. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, some translations say imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We already read a little bit out of there, but we're going to go a little deeper. And the Apostle Paul begins to tell us the weapons that God has put in our hands and and so we can resist Him, as, as it says in 1 Peter 5.9, and take those thoughts captive. So Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we'll start in verse 10. And uh, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Some translations call it the loin belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many of you know there have been some fiery darts coming against, especially believers uh, lately? And verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, verse 11 and verse 13 tell us to, to uh, take up or put on the whole armor. A Roman soldier had seven pieces of armor. Uh, and, and it looks like, you know, to a lot of people there are only six, but we'll see, I hope we have time to see that there are actually seven, and we need all seven. Verse 12 um, says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I want, to, I want us to look at this word wrestle. Um, it's, a, it's a very important word so that we can understand what kind of warfare we're facing. Um, maybe your, your Bible uses the word struggle, but either wrestle or struggle doesn't really give you a clear picture of what we're talking about. I used to coach wrestling, and, and this is not at all like the wrestling that he's, that Paul's talking about here. Um, the Greeks loved sports. And this particular, and I'm, I'm not going to use the Greek word because somebody is going to understand, you know, know better Greek than I do and, and know that I murdered the, the pronunciation. But the, the word that this, this uses describes 
a very vicious sport. Call it a sport. Scorekeeping was easy. The way you kept score, one of you lived and one of you died. You know, if you lived, you won. You know? So, um, I like winning. But that's, that's how they fought. They, in other words, he's describing a warfare that basically there are no rules. And you have a very vicious enemy that wants to put you out. So, uh, that's, that's what Paul is describing to us. Satan doesn't play fair. And only those of us who are serious and know how to protect ourselves are going to survive this conflict. And, uh, oh, let's see. I've, I've got to cut so much out, so, uh, but I want to, I want to look here in verse 13, uh, because it says, uh, to take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And there's been a misunderstanding, including by me years ago, about what this, what this verse meant. Because the way it had been taught and the way me and many other people understood it is, is, uh, if the Word of God doesn't work, stand. I mean, you pray, you use the Word of God, but if that didn't work, stand. Uh, if the blood of Jesus doesn't work, you keep standing. And, and if prayer and using your authority doesn't work, do you really think that, that you're going to be able to just tough it out and, and stand in the face of the enemy? That's, that's not what it's saying here. Um, God is really showing us a picture of what we look like when we are victorious. That after we've done all, then we stand in victory. And, and that's the picture we need to see ourselves at. I keep coming back to what I was teaching last time about what, how we see ourselves. And this fits in with that all the way through because we need to see ourselves with that armor, using that armor, and seeing ourselves standing in victory. Now, in verse 14, he starts to describe the, the weapons, the, the armament that we've, we've been given. And, and in the New Testament, there are three different places where it talks about actually different lists of armor. And Paul uses kind of different description in some of them. And I won't go into all of that, but, uh, in, in, uh, in Ephesians 6, which is where we are now, uh, or 2 Corinthians 10 and 1 Thessalonians, which is the oldest book in the, in the uh, New Testament. You know, others might tell an earlier story, but this was the first one written. Uh, he, he looked at things differently. But a lot of time has passed between when he wrote 1 Thessalonians and when he writes Ephesians. And he's in, in that time, he's been chained or tied to a Roman soldier. And he's had very good opportunities to see what a Roman soldier's uh, weaponry looked like up close and personal. And so he's, he's developed this to the point now where he's, he's seeing the, the spiritual connection between that, that armor and the armor God has given us. Cause every day he'd look at that helmet and, and see, uh, the breastplate and, and the shield and the, the belt and the shoes. And so he, he got a very good picture of what these things were like and of what they were for and, and what 
you know, the, the purpose connected with the spiritual purpose of, of the weapons. And he begins his, his, uh, description with the loin belt. And I thought, that's pretty interesting. Cause if, if you were gonna talk about what I'm wearing, you probably wouldn't start with my belt. I don't know if you can even see my belt. I'm probably good you can't. It's not a brand new belt, but, uh, you know, that it, the, the belt is a very important piece of weaponry. Now it's important to me too. It's, it holds your pants up, but it's much more than that in, in, uh, in the scripture here. Um, it, the, the, the belt, uh, one of the things it did is it, it protected the reproductive organs. And, uh, it's, it's interesting that the Bible calls it the loin belt of truth. The Greek word for truth, uh, is, is not talking about a rhema word of God. It's talking about the written word of God. So, what I'm suggesting to you is the, the loin belt represents the written Word of God in our lives. Now, uh, and, and the written Word of God, the Word of God is what gives us the supernatural ability to produce and to reproduce in the kingdom. We can't do anything else. We can't do any of these other things without the written Word of God being planted in us. And, and I know that some of you are probably thinking, well, wait a minute, wait, it just says down here that verse 17 says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We'll get to that. So, so don't shut me off yet. But if you don't have the Word of God working in your life, you'll, you'll never be able to produce the things in the Spirit like you, you should be able to. There, there's no creativity, uh, no ability to to produce unless you have a commitment to the written word of God. It's called the word of truth, the loin belt of truth, and it's it's such an important piece. It's, it is it's about our ability to to produce for the kingdom, and that's why uh, you know sometimes we've been around people who say, well, you know we're we're so spiritually mature, we've moved beyond we've moved beyond prayer, and we've moved beyond really. The word, because they just get everything by the spirit, and I'm thinking, you know, they've moved beyond help from God if they've gone that far, because it's it's not uh, it's not going to work out well for them. Um, but this is why the the apostle Paul uh, begins with the loin belt of truth. Every other part, every other part of his weaponry, his armor, was attached and held in place by the by the loin belt, even the shoes, those shoes of peace, had had leather straps that wrapped around the leg and came up and attached to the loin belt. The loin belt was very important. It was also the only visible, or for us, it's the only visible piece of weaponry, because every other piece of weaponry is invisible. You can't see peace. You can't see uh, a rhema word. Um, but you've got the the written word. You can pick it up. You can handle it. You can you can read it and get it into your heart. Then, in verse fourteen, it says, "Having put on the breastplate of righteousness." The breastplate was a, a very heavy piece of metal. It was it was uh, looked like scales of a fish. 
It was, it was metal that was woven together, very tightly knit. You couldn't penetrate it. And, uh, and it was, it was that fishnet from the, from the chest down. Up above that was two solid pieces of metal that had metal, metal rings that clipped it together. And it, it went, covered the front and the back and attached to the loin belt. If you didn't have that loin belt, that, that breastplate was flapping around and it caused you more problems than it would be worth to, to wearing it. So it was, uh, again, tied together at the loin belt. It was a protective piece of weaponry, obviously. It would protect your, your vital organs, protect your heart, but it could also be a, a, uh, offensive weapon. Because when the Roman soldiers would walk in that breastplate, those, those scales, those, those pieces of, of metal would rub against each other and they would get very shiny. And so strategically, if they were getting into a battle, they would position themselves knowing where the sun was and they could actually use the sun's reflection off that shiny uh, breastplate and, and basically blind the enemy and have a great advantage going at the enemy and, and the enemy couldn't, uh, couldn't really focus on them very well. Uh, so as, as the Roman soldiers would walk in those breastplates and that would get shinier and shinier, the longer, remember what it's representing, it's the breastplate of righteousness. So the longer you, we, we walk in our righteousness, the more beautiful that that righteousness becomes. It's uh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, and that breastplate is what represents that. But um, and and your your righteousness will do the same thing to the enemy that it, that it did for those Roman soldiers if we'll be diligent and consistent to walk in it. And uh, but. Just like that, that Roman soldier, he had to, he had to practice it and, and use it and able to enjoy it. We have to do the same thing with, with our righteousness. Now, it's interesting in verse 15, uh, Paul talks about, well, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Doesn't that sound peaceful? Well, until you, till you hear what those shoes actually were. Um, these were not peaceful shoes at all. They were, they were like boots made of steel from the knee to the ankle. It was a solid piece of metal which wrapped around the front of the knee all the way around the calves of the legs. And that was important because having the lower leg covered, you could, the Roman soldier could go anywhere and they, you know, they didn't walk out on a nice lawn or football field or something. They had to go in where there were rocks and thorns and, and bushes, and it protected their legs. It also protected them from being uh, kicked and having their legs broken by the enemy, which was a, a, a favorite tactic of a lot of the, the people in, in war. Um, So the the other part of this, and I'm 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 having to just for the sake of time, uh, not describing the whole thing, but on the bottom of those shoes 
were spikes. And those spikes were like one to three inches long. Now, think about walking in in shoes. Maybe some of you have worn golf shoes, or if you've ever been on a track team, worn worn track spikes. You know, I, I was in track in high school and, and university. In high school, all the tracks I ever ran on in the in the sixties were, were cinder tracks. So if you drug your foot a little bit in the spikes, it wasn't a big deal. I never forget the first time I ever put spikes on to walk on a rubber track when I was in university, I fell flat on my face because the the the, the spikes stick and you know it just throws you down. So uh, those Roman soldiers would have to pick up their feet to to walk, but they also gave you good traction. And if somebody was going to come against you, they could push and push, but you were planted firmly, and and you couldn't that you couldn't push the Roman soldier back. So, and we need to know that the peace of God will do that for us. It will help us stay planted. And if we're called to do something Satan doesn't like, he's going to try and push and push. You've probably already been pushed. But if you've, if you've got those shoes of peace on, it's, it's a keeping peace. And the storms might come, but your peace, your, your shoes of peace are going to keep you planted and and you go through those things with with victory. Um, now those those uh, spikes, those nails, were not just a uh, to keep you in place. They could also be a brutal weapon. You can imagine. Imagine Roman soldiers marching. If anything got in the way, they didn't stop. They didn't. If the not a good picture, but you'd say a little old lady falls in front of them. Uh, they did not stop. They showed no mercy. They, they, and you, you know, they're picking those feet up and they're, they're stomping and, and you know, uh, it's not a pretty picture. But think of that now in the terms of the shoes of peace that we're talking about. Um, in, uh, You know, think of this stopping. Uh, actually, let's uh, keep your. We'll come back here, but look at Romans chapter sixteen, and verse twenty. The book of Romans, probably the most important, uh, important book of, of uh, doctrine in the whole New Testament. Sixteen chapters. There's only one reference to Satan in that whole book, and. Here's what it says. This is how important Paul thought thought Satan was. In Romans 16, verse 20, it says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Wow. Yeah, that's that's that picture of of the Roman soldier marching with his feet picking up and, and stomping. And, uh, and Paul's saying, If Satan is so stupid that he's going to get in your way, don't show him any mercy. You just walk over him. You have... The right of way, because you and God are are a, a what's the word I'm looking for a <laughs> okay I'll say it later well it was really clever when it was back there but it fell out somewhere um, so. Back to Ephesians 6, 
goes on to verse 16. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all. Now, people see this and and think, oh, you and God are a majority. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you and God are a majority. But uh, above all, uh, people read that and think, oh, the shield of faith, that's obviously the most important piece of weaponry because it's, it says above all. Well, I've already told you that the belt was the most important part. So what, what are we looking at here? It says, the, the Greek word for this says, out in front of all is the, is the shield of faith. And it's describing the position of faith. Uh, faith is, is not behind us, it's before us. And the Bible describes faith as a shield, something that's out in front. Um, but if you don't have the Word of God, you won't have any of the other weapons. You won't even have faith because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The written Word of God, again, is the most important uh, piece of, of uh, armor that the Roman soldier has. And uh, speaking of the shield of faith, there, there were two kinds of shields that a Roman soldier had. One was a, a small round shield with a lot of decorations on it. It was basically a parade shield. It was just for show. The one that they used for battle was a bigger shield, and it was uh, actually the Greek word for it is the same word as for a door. And, and when a, a Roman soldier would go into the army, they would measure him, and, and his, his shield was made specifically for him, to cover him uh, height and width. So, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, having the, the, God gave us the measure of faith, because we think, oh, I wish I had the faith of, of Pastor David or Pastor Scarlett. God gave you your Shield your faith to fit you, not somebody. You're not using somebody else's shield. Um, so that that was for his protection. But the other thing that we remember that the shield was not made of metal. Now it might have had a metal or a wooden rim, but it was made out of real tightly woven uh, pieces of leather. Now. Uh, if you leave leather out in the open, in the rain or even in the sun, it gets dry and brittle, and and it doesn't it, it gets ruined if you leave it out there. Uh, it becomes useless if if you if you do that to it. But because of that, it was the job of every Roman soldier to anoint his shield with oil every day, and so that it made it soft. And, and supple and, and it would, it would reject those fiery darts that would come against it. Um, but see, so would rub that oil, press it in, and that shield would be soft and flexible. But in that same way, if, if we're running on revelation from 10 or 15 years ago, our shield is likely to become brittle and, and not 
function the way it was designed to function. So it's that's why we need to do a fresh anointing every day by the Word of God, getting that the Word of God applied in there and, and getting it more uh, usable. Uh, but it's your responsibility to do that. You know, it's it's not your pastor's. It's not your husband or your wife. It's your, your responsibility because it's your shield and you need to do it if you want to use it. Um, and the Bible says if you've got that shield, if it's flexible, if it's alive, if it's out front where it's supposed to be, it says you can use it in verse 16 to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go into the fiery darts, but those fiery darts... Uh, can cause a lot of chaos in your life. And and they are, uh, you know, the enemy loves to send those darts in. And, and we've all probably experienced some fiery darts. But that's why we need to have that shield up and and anointed and, and ready to, to repel those, send them back where they came from. Um, so we don't, we don't need more chaos in, in our emotions. And that's, again, where he, he works on it. This is in our mind, in our, our emotions. Uh, so you know, but if you got that shield of faith out there, Satan can keep sending in your way, and they just bounce off. And then it says in verse 17, "Take the helmet of salvation." Now he's comparing salvation to a helmet. Isn't that interesting? Um, the helmet of a Roman soldier was probably the most beautiful part of his of his weaponry. Now helmets are important. Because they protect you from things hitting your head and, and keeping your head intact is pretty important whether you're in battle or, or any, anything else. Uh, the breastplate was beautiful, but that, that helmet, a lot of times they'd have a, a carved design in the metal sides, like a, an animal or some fruit. Uh, sometimes they'd have an elephant in there, and many times they would have a plume. And I guess the more important that that soldier was, the bigger and more showy that plume could be. So, uh, you know, it says, take the, the helmet of salvation that, you know, if, if you saw, you know, salvation was very noticeable. The helmet was very noticeable. And, and that, for example, if I'm walking down the street and I've got a, an elephant on my head and a, and a big old plume, I'm pretty easy to spot coming down. And, and really, your salvation is, uh, is very much like that. It's, it's, it's something that's noticeable. You know, if, we're different. We are, we are, when we're in other groups that are maybe not Christians, uh, there's, there's just something about it. I, I remember I was working at Costco years ago. And and I was just at that time I hadn't been promoted yet. I was I was one of the the guys just getting stuff out of one basket, calling out the number, putting in the other basket. And this guy came up, and you'd work between two two uh, registers. And the guy came up, and he started to say something, and then he stopped. And finally, we finished the order, and he went away. And the the cashier said, "This guy said, told me he said I I was going to tell an off-color story." But he looked like a holy man, and I didn't think I'd better do it. And I thought, wow. I mean, I was dirty and sweaty, and I didn't feel very holy at the time. But but there is, if, if we're walking in that salvation, if we're aware of that salvation, 
there's, there's a difference that is noticeable, and your salvation should be noticeable. Um, but the other thing is, it's, it's compared to a helmet, and it's to protect our brain. It's to protect our mind. It's, it's, uh, that salvation is, uh, well, the enemy, in, in the, the Roman soldiers, the enemy would carry something called a battle axe. And he would throw it, and, and his, the favorite target was the head. And so that helmet protected your brains, and, and I think one of the, actually one of the Greek words, uh, for salvation is saved brains. So, uh, it's, it's very important. Uh, because, like we said, the enemy is after your brain. He's after your, your, your emotions, your, your, the soul of, of you. Uh, but we have to renew our minds to the fact that we are delivered, the truth about healing, the truth about prosperity. We need to constantly see ourselves in the things that God sees us as. Um, so in a sense, Paul is saying, wrap your salvation around your, your, around you like a helmet to protect your, your thinking. Fill your brain with salvation. With any of these. It, it, you need to see it. You need to be, make it be part of who you are. It's, it's one thing to read it and say, oh yeah, that's, that's really good. I should do that. It's another thing to actually see yourself as living in that. That's so important. Then he says, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now this is where we, we talked about earlier, because he talks about this, and we, we said the, uh, the, the loin belt is the written Word of God. This is talking about the rhema Word of God. And it's, it's describing a a sword. It says a sword. Uh, it's, it's kind. Of, again, there were two swords that a Roman soldier was familiar with. One was a great big two-handed sword. Maybe you like to see the sword in the stone, Excalibur type thing. That was. It was so big and so heavy that you could never fight with that. You would train with it to build up your muscles and, and everything. The, the sword they're talking about was more like a dagger, and it was for close combat. So that you could get in and deal a death blow quickly, uh, to the enemy. So, we didn't, they didn't use the big store, but that is the Rhema word. The Rhema, uh, which is, it's, it's an immediate word or a specific or, or a revealed word. But you can't get that unless you have the written word in place first. Uh, the the rhema word doesn't come if you haven't spent time in the written word, um, and that's the the two different kinds of the of the word of God. Uh, so we've got the loin belt. We've we've covered. Oh, let's see. I do need to give the give you this last one though, and, and I apologize that I'm I'm leaving so much out, but. Uh, Study this, and it's 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 so so good to to know the weapons, the the armor that you have, both to protect yourself and to be on the offensive. You don't have to be the one that's always 
just deflecting everything, you can go forward, you can charge, you can put the enemy on the run. But uh, the the other, you know, we, we talk about six pieces of armor, but there is a seventh. And that is in uh, verse 18, where it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. So the the one piece that we did not talk about is the lance. The Roman soldier also carried a lance or a spear, again, strapped across and attached to the loin belt, but the spear is for long-distance warfare. You know, if you've got a choice between picking somebody off, you know, at the other end of the, the hallway here or waiting till you get up with a dagger, I think I'd rather take care of that from long distance if I could. And that's, that's what that's, that spear for. We call that the, the, uh, spear of intercession. Prayer says praying always with all prayer and supplication. And if you know how to pray and intercede, you can knock Satan off his horse from a long ways away. You don't have to wait till he gets up to attack. Now, back in verse 13, we'll, we'll finish up here. It says, Therefore, take the whole armor of God, not some of the armor, but all of the armor. You know, different, different parts of the body of Christ major on one thing or another. There are some, some groups that major on salvation, and that's wonderful. But if, if you're leaving other parts uncovered, it can be dangerous. So, uh, I mean, even, even in word of faith, which I consider us word of faith, if, if we are only concerned about faith and not covering the other parts of the, of the body, we're, we're leaving ourselves open for defeat. So it says, we don't, it's not just a helmet, it's not just a breastplate, it's not just a sword, it's the whole armor. And it's, it talks about so that you be able to stand in the evil day. Oh, what's the evil day? Well, turn on the news if you can stand it. We're, we're living in some evil days right now. And, uh, it's, it's, a, it's not some future prophetic event. It's, it's going on right before our eyes right now. So, uh, you know, you get a bad report from the doctor or your finances aren't in, in proper order. You need to get that, that armor on you and, and stand against the attack of the enemy. Uh, we have the ability not only to, to withstand the attacks, but we have the ability to drive him away and live in, in peace. That's what those shoes are for, the shoes of peace. And, and get that stuff out of your life. Because God gave us the, the equipment and the ability to stand in the evil day. And we just need to make sure we are dressed in the full armor of God. So, this is a very, uh, sketchy outline of some of the things that, that I've gathered over the years as, as to the, uh, the, the spiritual warfare, the spiritual armor that we have. And uh, again, it's important to see ourselves in it. Now, some people like to say, well, I get up in the morning and I put on my helmet, I put on my... You know, you don't really ever take it off. It's, it's, it's there. It's, you, need, you need it all the time. So, uh, 
Let's pray and we'll, we'll close for tonight. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your armor. Father, thank You that You have put at our disposal everything we need, not only to be uh, to protect ourselves, Father, but that we can be on the offensive against the enemy. We can stop him before he ever has an influence on us. So, Father, we thank You for teaching us. Thank You, Father, for... Uh, your provision, your protection, and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, and we'll uh, see you next time.